Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the first episode of the Impact of AI. This is a brand new podcast with myself and Gurjan. And we're going to, you know, look at what's going on in the world of um, AI. Um, just to give you a bit of background. So, I work in end user computing, so um, specific part of IT where we look at all the various different layers of complexity that um, and ma make it simple for the end user. Um, why am I doing a podcast about AI? Well, we both gave a presentation last November. Yes, November. Yes, at the E2E virtualization conference in Rome. And it was the first time that such a, a, a conversation a session about AI had taken place. So we were the first to do that. We talked afterwards over a beer, um, as you do. Um, and uh, then we talked about it a bit more and we decided that we're really enjoying learning about AI and the best way we wanted to do that was to do a podcast. So here we are. So, Gurjan, uh, how about you? Bit of background about you? Yeah, a bit of background. I, I come from the Netherlands and I work at a, at a, uh, at a company in the Netherlands focused around IT called Roblox and uh, I always, since the release of the JetGPT, I became, became interested in AI and everything in between. So in my job, I'm more like cloud and workspace. So I do end-use computing and cloud. And I think AI is the, the missing linking pin between everything to make users work as smart as, and, uh, uh, as they can and as efficient as they can. And uh, well, while we were chatting over a beer, we thought about the dreams about how AI would make our life easier and better. And uh, well, that, that gave us the idea to do this and it's really cool. And, and, and looking at how the world is evolving, it's, it's an, uh, a great time to start this adventure because it's an adventure for the both of us to see where it leads us and to see uh, how AI is going to shape the world. And that's why we call it uh, the impact of AI explored, because it's not, yeah, we're exploring with you, our listeners and our viewers, uh, to see where this world is going and to give our honest opinion. We might not always be right, but it's just our opinion. Exactly. And that's the whole point. Um, we are not AI experts. We are simply learning. This is a journey for us, and um, you know, as probably similar for our listeners. Um, so uh, yeah. So as I said, we are gonna. Our plan is um, to have. We will do have some discussion. We're gonna have some guests as well. Um, as we've both said, we work in the world of end-user computing. We're gonna get, try and get some guests from outside of end-user computing from within people who we think are really interesting we want to talk to and learn more about AI because that is the whole point of this um, exercise. We want to learn about more AI, about AI. We want to share what we learn with everyone. So um, let's move on. Um, obviously, as we've said, there's been so much going on in AI. Um, it's, it's ridiculous since, you know, as, as Gershon said, we, which, you know, the launch of ChatGPT, things have really taken off. Um, and there's been so much stuff, uh, you know, we've even had a little AI soap opera, for want of a better word. <laughs> if, you, if you think about, you know, if you think back to a couple of weeks in December, I think uh, Sam Altman was the CEO of uh, uh, OpenAI, then he wasn't the CEO, then he was going to Microsoft, and then 
he uh, he re- ended up back as the CEO of OpenAI. So uh, AI has everything that you could possibly hope for. Uh, so it, it, I think it's um, it, yeah. So so there's just been so much going on. So sticking with OpenAI, one of the things I was reading the other day was that they have. Um, uh, signed an agreement with the state of Pennsylvania to implement OpenAI Enterprise for the state of Pennsylvania. And I was like, wow, I think this is the first government organization that has, is looking to do a full implementation of OpenAI. Um, so um, obviously we can talk about the implications of, of of such a move if you think about it because there you know there's privacy all of that kind of stuff it, it's it's a big move um mm-hmm. and i was kind of taken aback to be honest and what's your view on that one yeah i uh, it's i think it's a little bit of a bold move even to be a municipality to be or a state and and to say okay we need this and we want this done this way. I don't know how the internal IT might look like, but if you're gonna connect something like a large language model bot to your internal IT and learn them your internal IT stuff, so what the users, your application, your data, etc., it's gonna be very interesting to see how they integrate all that and and all these security implications it might have because uh, when we're looking at stuff that we are doing at customers the first thing we talk about is how we're going to keep this secure how we're going to keep everybody from not seeing information they're not allowed to or querying information they're not allowed to so doing that on something as big as a state you have to have a real big grasp on how your it landscape is looking so that's Mm. it's a bold move it's a cool move yeah but a bold move (laughs) yeah no I I agree. It's, it's it's definitely a bold move, and and it will be one I want to kind of follow and and hear a bit more on. Um, so uh, I I saw something else on. Obviously, there's just been so much going on. Um, did you have any other kind of things that have caught your interest in the last week or so? A lot, a lot. Have to ask. There's a lot. And- <laughs> And once we start, we started saying, okay, we got to record a podcast. This uh, it's now Thursday. This Thursday, then you're going to look on Google or the news sites and to look about uh, some other things that are piquing your interest. And one of the cool things that I found is that there is uh, some developers in. Uh, I have to look it up. They uh, they have created Nightshade, and what Nightshade does, it it obscures images for use in, uh, for example, DALI or any other uh, uh, visualization AI tooling. So the Nightshade mm-hmm. tool just, uh, it cripples the data that the, 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 the AI tool bot gets. So the, uh, uh, the one who drew the image or made the movie is, uh, his intellectual property is more secured, but uh, it will cripple the image uh, and it will cripple the data the AI has to use, uh, that the AI uses to create images. So by protecting their intellectual property, which I can imagine they want to do, they are crippling the use of AI. So it's really, I found it scary, but interesting to see that there is technology available to block AI from using images. Yeah, 
Now that is an interesting one because obviously there's been a lot going on. If you you know, OpenAI have been sued by the New York Times because they're you know essentially have been breaking their copyright. So there's a big wider discussion to be had about copyright and AI. And you know, I was I was I was look I was talking to someone the other day. I was actually talking to uh, someone we both know, Sean Bass. Um, yeah. And we were talking about ChatGPT, and I was saying you know and we mentioned it in our presentation we did last November um, about how as soon as you upload something or share something with ChatGPT, it um, it is allowed to use that for your for its learning models. But there's actually a button there that says you can opt out. There is a downside to that, but as well as your content being you opting out, it no longer captures your history. So if you've had a chat and you want to go back and review that, it doesn't keep anything. So you have to kind of weigh it up. Now, most of the time when I use ChatGPT, I don't use anything that's, you know, under NDA or uh, privileged information. I use it for uh, generating content of things that are currently known and that kind of thing. So I'm not really, um, but it was just an interesting uh, point that he pointed out to me that the fact that, you know, Oh no, you know, you can stop it from using your content for its learning models. But as I suppose, you know, when they're building the models, that's a different scenario. Um and yeah, I I think there will be pushback. And as you said, that uh uh nightshade uh seems a really interesting use case and a way of protecting uh your copyright. Um uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of see if that's implemented on a wider scale, like because you know we already have huge levels of piracy. You can get most movies very quickly. In that. So yeah. you can get various... almost anything anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Almost anything anywhere. So, so is AI going to help enforce that? You know, make that easier, or is it going to? It's going to be the balancing thing, I think, um, that we'll see going forward. So, you know, we've talked a, a little bit. So, so one of the things that happened quite recently was the, you know, there was a great fanfare around this uh, GPT store. Which, if in case you haven't heard of this, this is OpenAI's version of an app, app store, essentially. But you can build your, everyone can build your own GPTs. But there is, um, and then you can share them, and potentially, if they're popular, you can monetize it. Um, but I've had a look at this. Um, it's going to need to be pretty popular to for you to monetize it. You're not going to get like a couple of hundred people, and then you're going to get monetized. It's thousands of people before you even it. You know, and one of the things I was reading about was essentially. Um, these GPTs are quite open and uh, very prone to be uh, copied. So, so, you know, you could spend all this development time putting this together. Once you go into the Jeep, there's very little security on it. Now, obviously, it's their first generation. And like anything, it will take time to develop this. But it's just something to bear in mind if you do build a GPT and submit it to the GPT store. Um, it's, uh, it's something you need to bear in mind um yeah what's have you had a look at the gpt store 
No, not really. I'm, I'm myself more focused at the moment at the Microsoft uh, end of things. But I, I was, yeah. I was uh, wondering what, what kind of uh, uh, GPTs are there? I, I saw some in video and I saw some uh, kayak uh, for the travel agency. I, I saw some things. Are there, are there any ones that you like? <sighs> I, I, I've only had a brief look, so there, there, there isn't any. I, I think there was, there was one on them. Um, so my day job is product marketing there was one focused on helping you generate content and you know i've seen a few like that so um yeah not really i, I haven't delved deep it's, it's something i need to look at a bit more but it, it's just i suppose it, it gives you that um you know you can talk to the likes of chat gpt and and this brings the customization to the next level and this is where we're going to go with it is you will be able to customize it and once they figure out the data thing you you can add your own data to it. you can ask it to do very specific tasks to you so in say in our world you could create a gpt that goes and queries gathers all the news for end user computing on a daily basis and um you know produce and then you can produce a newsletter off it or something like that now the one of the limitations i've found and and i suppose this will develop and we'll get into a different discussion about how copilot could do this because um essentially it can um convert um push out in a newsletter format which would be the, the next step so um yeah, it can give you the content, but then you have to take the content and do something with it. So it's, yeah, it's it's one of those things that um, I suppose it's it's the first step with the whole process around creating your own kind of customized chat, chat bots, essentially. Um, so, you know, and, and there is others around it. So, so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses as well. Yeah, but all of this I, is I kind of it, early uh, stage, so we're just looking yeah. at you know what's going to happen with it. It's, it's all kind of watch here, you know, follow closely <laughs> and 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 see where it goes because that's what's going to happen. Um, oh, yeah, so uh, oh god, Mr. Zuckerberg. So only a matter of time, wasn't it? So I I see he has delved into the world of AGI. So. There's various different stages of AI, Gershon. So can you kind of, just for so everyone knows, because people might know that, you know, we have various different levels of AI. Some of it, um, now, it, it, you know, it's probably not too much of a shock, but it, it's been around for quite a while, but there's various different levels. So can you go through some of the levels of AI we currently have and what the kind of, what they're aiming for? Um, you know, yeah. there's a term I, I've heard AGI, but maybe you can explain a little bit more ab about yeah. what's going on. Yeah, sure. Well, well uh, as you might know, that artificial intelligence has been around since the 1950s, and it all started a little bit with, around the Turing test. The Turing test was to see if a response that is done by a machine is more based on the machine or that, that the one who's doing the questioning can detect is it, if, it a human, if, it is, if it's a human response or more a machine-like response. So that's something. So we've done it exactly. Few, that's that's why years. we have captures. Yeah, <laughs> Are <exactly>. you human? <laughs> that's yeah, the Turing test. Kind of, yeah, that's the Turing test in effect. So if you look at at the different stages of AI, and there are different uh, uh, things you can follow or different things you can uh, 
there are uh, different stadia. Some talk about seven stadia. Some talk about five. Some talk about ten. So if you look at this one, if you look at where we came from, we first had the rule-based AI, and that's a little bit of a lame term because it's mostly if the thermostat is above twenty degrees, turn it off. It's below twenty degrees, turn it, turn the heating on. So more like that thing. The next thing we had was more the context-based systems. So the series, the Alexas that are based on your questioning, trying to fix stuff for you. Uh, what we're seeing now most are the narrow or domain expert uh, systems. So the Watson that does the uh, checks for uh, tumors in the MRI scans better than humans can do that. Mm. But those are AI systems that can do one thing and they can do it very well, but they're just limited to one thing. Uh, and then there's some more like the reasoning systems that like the Tesla, the auto drive that say, well, based on what the information that I see, that I gather, I think this is the best course of action. So it's reasons based on uh, uh, input from different, and it just not sure the in. Tesla auto drive is a good example. I've seen some videos, no. and I'm never turning that thing on if I had a Tesla because it just tries to kill you as many times as possible. Um, <laughs> the the decision making is not good on that. That is one thing where I can say from a, a technology AI standpoint, we have failed. Self driving cars are an absolute disaster. No one has got even close to being convincing me that it's going to be even viable in the next five years because yeah. anytime I see it, it's like, oh yeah, like a yeah, car broke three red lights, nearly smashed into a car at the so It's just crazy. No, thank <laughs> you. Um, well, I am, I have, I have I am, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm a skeptic when it comes to self-driving cars. Um, I, I quite happily human error is, you know, obviously not great, but, I think death rate would, would actually go through the roof if we enable self-driving cars currently. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's based on the, uh, on the information in the system and the, and the, the way uh, the information is ingested. I can imagine if you have a system that's not vehicle-based but road-based where everybody, all the vehicles get the same information, that might make it a little more... Uh, mm. Well, uh, make it a little bit more uh, uh, accident prone. But if you look, I have a Tesla myself and I use the self-drive occasionally, but it, it does a little bit. It keeps you on your toes. It's not always a relaxing drive. <laughs> it keeps you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, that's, all, that's one of the things that makes driving fun. But if you look at, uh, so we were talking about, but what is artificial general intelligence? All the things that yeah. we talked about are levels below artificial intelligence, general intelligence. If you look at, what is then the general intelligence that is an artificial intelligence organism or, or machine that is just as smart as us, that, that can do, that is smart enough to do things on different, different tasks on different levels. So, and it can perhaps make coffee and have a decent conversation and get a cookie or in some way or, or form or think about two, three, two or three things uh, at the same time. So that's artificial yeah. general intelligence and that's, Something that that for now seems for a lot of companies the holy grail. So Mark Zuckerberg is joining the race. There are other uh, companies that also want to do that. And once they achieve that, and uh, I think uh, Elon Musk said, we will have artificial gen general intelligence in two years. I thought that was a bit optimistic, but Elon is known for his optimism, as you can say. Uh, but uh, that that's something that it that will get we will get there and. The, the, and, and it depends on your definition of what is general, uh, artificial general intelligence when we get there. But it's a really cool uh, thing 
that to see that in development and to see that every big company wants to have a piece of that pie. So it will go fast. Uh, and if you look into the future, then the, the, the things that they will say is, well, okay, after uh, general artificial general intelligence, you will have super artificial general intelligence. Well, you can imagine what that may look like. That's artificial intelligence that's smarter than us in every way form. And then you get these things like uh, mind over matter, cosmic AI. So those are all things that are way, way in the future where we can ask robots to terraform a new planet for us. And they call us, say, okay, well, uh, the planet is done. We've made your bed. Come on here. So that's something that's way back way in the future. But in the next coming years, it will be about artificial general intelligence and uh, when are machines smart enough to make the same decisions we make based on the input, the same input we have. And that's going to be a nice red race to watch. Yeah. yeah, all of this is, yeah, all of this, we're, you know, we're kind of viewing with anticipation and, you know, um, I, I, I have two emotions when it comes to AI. I'm, I'm really excited by it and it scares the living daylights out of me as well. So, and I'm somewhere in between at most stages because, you know, I, um, I did a presentation last year on AI and my first slide was the T1000 and Skynet, you know, so yeah. we we don't want this to go to the bad side, but there is the potential. And I suppose that's, but at the same time, there's this whole thing where it can be so beneficial and so helpful. And it's very much at a stage where it is definitely an aid. It can't do more than a human. Well, it, it can in certain things, but there's still kind of, there's a lot of nuances it doesn't understand yet. And you can see that, like I, I've tried to use you for content and I've had to, delete half of it and it, it is very uh the way it speaks is very clear um one of my colleagues today she sent an, uh put out a linkedin post and she said the the word of the day for um chat gpt seems to be unleashing because she'd seen a bunch of linkedin posts with the term <laughs> unleashing it so so you have to be careful you have to go and edit and review whatever you generate um but it is really helpful. I, I I use it all the time. I use ChatGPT all the time. I have it on my phone as well. I haven't done the voice bit yet. I'm I'm kind of I don't want them not into that yet. So I'm I'm happy enough typing. But voice will obviously make it easier and more natural. And you know you get to the stage where it can talk to you as well. Um, you know we've got that whole kind of um, Iron Man scenario where he wakes up uh, Jarvis and. He's got his three screens and they're translucent and you can just see all the information and he can interact with it with his hands and all that. So so that's the cool bit. Um obviously there's the not so cool bit. So so um we we've got two topics today which we wanted to talk to in a bit more detail. Um giving you a brief overview of the news. Obviously we have an um, captured everything and um, we never will because there is just so much going on but in, in our world and uh, the world in general obviously um, accessibility is, is what this is getting more and more people into AI and the biggest news from my point of view is Microsoft have just made Copilot nearly available to anyone um, so there's a couple of ways they've done that so Prior to this, Copilot was available, but you had to be essentially have an E3 or an E5 Microsoft license and have a, a minimum of 300 uh, users. So 
that and applied buy it to for most a year. Sorry? And you had to buy it for yeah. a year. And you'd buy it for a year, yes. Um, they've now dropped the 300 user components, so that means it's open to small and medium business. But at the same time, they have opened it up to essentially anyone because they have brought in Jeep, uh, Copilot Pro, which is available for $20 a month. And you can use it with your home office subscription and install it today and get up and running and away you go. So this obviously, you know, Microsoft wants more and more people. That's that's what Microsoft do. They they just take over things and and it, it it's a but it is a real game changer at the same time. Um we as a company haven't purchased it. I'm considering pro for myself at home um because twenty dollars a month is not a huge amount of money and I'd, I, I'd i'd really like to see what it can do so maybe i don't know if there's i i need to check into further if 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 you essentially need have to uh, you know can you just get a one month subscription or if you're tied yeah. in so yeah as far as but, i know yeah i've got it <laughs> You've got it, yeah. So, yeah. so let's talk about that. You already have uh, Copilot for Office. Um, you've been using it for a while. So, what are kind of some of the best things you found, and some of the gaps you're still seeing? Yeah. Well, I've been using it for about a week. So, I've using it after it released. I had to do go through the proper channels to get it authorized, but. Looking at it now for a week is uh, one of the things that I find a little, uh, that might be a little bit of an issue is because uh, I'm from the Netherlands, we talk Dutch and the co-pilot does not, it narrates Dutch, but it's not native Dutch. So that might make some of the things that you want to do in a language that isn't supported naturally a little bit more complex. Mm. Um, and and that, that might give you some of the... Uh, and, and for me, because I'm in IT, uh, I dream in English sometimes at night, just because <laughs> I read English all day, uh, then it's not that big of a deal. But if you want to do this to your end users, it makes it a little bit complex that they might be doing it in English, at least for the Netherlands, the Germans, the French. There are some languages that are supported. There's a list, I think, about 11 languages now. But it's not yep. all of them, so there's a lot of to be won there. Another thing that I found is I did a presentation at the uh, user group, uh, Azure user group in Norway this morning, where I thought, okay, let me be cool and let me ask uh, Copilot, give me a few, uh, inf give me um, a presentation about the uh, the history of the Azure user group in Norway, and they give me five slides, and I said to them, well, I uh, asked the uh, Copilot, but how, how did you guys get started and where are you coming yeah. from and what you're doing? So we created a nice five slide presentation where on the first slide it said it was founded in 2010 and uh, everyone in the meeting was looking at each other going, I don't know if that's correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the information that it got came from the web, obviously, but uh, mm. uh, the overall vibe of the presentation did cohort with how the Norwegian as a user group is functioning, what their goals mm. are. But it's not always a fact that it's true. So the issue with JetGPT is the issue with Copilot and the issue with everything AI. Fact check. If you want to do yeah. want to look bad, fact check, just to be sure. Uh, so it's, the, it's still, it still suffers from the same hallucinations that 
ChatGPT has because well, it's, but essentially it's using the OpenAI platform, but in a Microsoft version. If you think about it, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, again, what we've said previously is fact check. Um, don't take what is written in gospel as as what comes from ChatGPT and or 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 any LNM. Um, no, I've seen this. Cool for, things, yes, one of the cool go on. That it that what it what it does do is. I said, create uh, five slides, five slides, and it created five slides. One with an animation in it, one with a real cool image with the correct fonts, and so the 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 layout and the marketing. I was like, mm, nice. This has done a better job than me. I'm not in DTP or marketing. You are mm. not me. So it created mm -hmm. better slides than I could have done myself in just one minute. Yeah, I, I think the time savings are, are where it, and, and this is what it, I, I, I can see real benefit where is if I can just, you know, if I have a 10 slide deck that I want to create, I can just tell it what I want. Um, and I can use, you know, I can probably tell it to use whatever template I want if I've got a standard one, because most organizations would have some sort of corporate standard and you're limited in what you can do. Um, so. But yeah, it, 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 for me, it's it's definitely all about the time saving and the fact that it's interact. It, you know, it's it's embedded in the in the the suite that the majority of us who work use on a daily basis. Um, it it just it, it gives that further stickiness that you you know you're never going to look at alternatives when when Office has all of these components. Is is it embedded in? Um, uh, is it in Teams? Yeah, yeah. There's a chatbot in Teams that you can ask yeah. to do things, and there's and it's embedded in every Office program. So Word, Excel, there's a button, and it says create a, a, a an Excel page with a, mm. a, this, 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 this about that, and that with the colors blue and the headers enter, and it will create the slide with the content you want. Mm. Or can you create a graph based on information in Tab Two? Put it in Tab Four. Uh, in sheet five, make it a uh, line-based graph. It will do that. Cool. Uh, and in Teams, does it can it like does it interact with meetings that you can get like summaries of meetings and that kind of thing? So you know you could ask it what were the five you know main points of this meeting if you just happen to get distracted because say the meeting was like over an hour and you like switched off for ten minutes. Then you find does it give you those kind of? Uh, no, I think those are part of Teams Premium. So that's a different uh, okay. where you can have teams just write out or uh, the, your uh, the teams meeting and give your automatically your to do's in your to do. That's the teams premium. I think that's a separate license. But what it will do, and that helps me a lot, saying okay, I've been in the weekend. I haven't been at the uh, at the office, uh, of course, and uh, some of my colleagues have been chatting around in different chat groups about issues that customers or mm -hmm. something cool that they found or whatever you can say give me the uh, the heads up of the the chats from the last two days and it will give you a summary of saying okay the these uh, these are the people that had chats and uh, this is the main thing that was the end of the discussion or yeah. this is what they found out so oh that that's might yeah that's good yeah yeah because yeah, sometimes like thing. you have to read through you know several pages of comments and like okay just give me the out, you know, give me the give summary me the of that. Yeah. I, I, I don't need all of the detail. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, great. Move on. So yeah, so it's all about time saving essentially yeah. and working more efficiently. Yeah, and and if and and the, the tip I would have for everyone that's wanting to try it is, 
please do, but do it in a little bit confined because uh, people can query information that they might not have access to or they have access to, but they don't know that. So they might query the bot to give them information that they are not, uh, they, they are not uh, legally obliged to have. Yeah, so yeah. It, but uh, for uh, playing in I, for the IT people, just to get a, a grasp of, okay, how can this save time and to help people find out how yeah. Yeah, well, just play with it yourself and then you can learn, okay, how could this save time and then uh, take this to your company. And the main thing that I see as a problem for the future with everything Copilot or any of the chatbots related is the prompt engineering. We have to educate mm -hmm. everyone that you, the, information, the, question, the, the quality of the question uh, defines together with information the output. So if the, if the question sucks, the output will suck. Yeah, but is that not similar to like, when we first started with search engines, you know, if you put in, you know, garbage in, garbage out, uh, yeah. you know, so, so it's, it, it's just taking that kind of same concept of putting in proper search terms and, and the same with prompts, but yeah, you're right. We do need to educate people about proper prompt engineering. And, and that does like, I've seen, some prompts are like, you know, there, there are several paragraphs, but the, the level of detail it gets, like, especially with Dali three, if you say this kind of image with this light, you know, if you actually know what you're talking about, the, 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 the professional nature of the images is just off the charts. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it is very much, there is an education process to get yeah. people to, to prompt correctly. So they get the most out of it. And it's something I've, I've mentioned to people before as well. Like, you know, if you put in a, a bad prompt, you're probably going to get a bad outcome. So you need to think about this really carefully. And, you know, there are lots of resources where you can learn about prompt engineering. I think there's quite a few free ones on YouTube yeah. on, um, there's a whole uh, on LinkedIn learning. There's lots of them as well. So, so it is worthwhile just taking, say, an hour and and learning a bit a bit more about prompt engineering because it will be a huge part um, of what's going on. Exactly, and, and it will help you get better better information out of out, out of uh, any kind of um, AI model. Yeah, yeah, and that's. I think that's the, the the thing that I learned mostly about Copilot is it it saves you it can save you a lot of time mm. if you know how to correctly use it and if you have your infrastructure and your data in order so it will it can get to the data it needs to get to and it can get to the information you want and need and so there's a whole ecosystem of stuff that has to be put yeah. in place before you can really get the benefits and that's something yeah. that we'll we'll be doing for the next years is making everything available for Copilot mm -hmm. or all the AI stuff. Also the same, of course, for OpenAI, the GPT uh, variant they have. Yeah. The information needs to be available, needs to be searchable for them in a secure way to get them to give sure. you the, the correct answer to your question. Yeah, um, I've just remembered, um, there is actually an official OpenAI um, prompt engineering guide and we'll sh we'll share it in the a link to it in the show notes yeah, nice. um so uh you'll be able to get access to that i just remembered i saw that and um that's obviously one to use as well so 
thinking so we've talked a bit about co-pilot so so one of the other things that's been going on is the ces show took place in las vegas a couple of weeks ago um and we've now got some ai hardware devices which i was a little bit taken aback by i was like yeah why what okay so so one of the ones that i've seen is this um rabbit r1 so it seems to be about the size of an ipad no not an ipad ipod so in case anyone's too young an ipod before before spotify we had what were called ipods and you stored songs on them and and you played them so they were probably about this size so it's supposed to be about the size of an ipod um which is quite a small form factor um and i was thinking about it and i was kind of going why would you have a hardware device over an app you know, on my phone um because you know we're all about software you know hardware but but then i, I you know it, it's not just so one of the things i found is a it has its you can put in prompts it, you it can use voice um but it actually can do actions. So as opposed to um, ChatGPT, where I tell it, say, take an example with travel. I want to go to Paris for the weekend, look at flights, hotels. So that's fine. I then have to go take that information, go to something like, you know, booking.com or whatever and, and key in all that information. And that's a, whereas this seems to have some sort of link with vendors, and such as say booking.com and it will push the request through i was like oh okay so that i kind of in some ways i can see it but in others i'm like eh. but it is it's 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 under 200 dollars. so it's it, it seems kind of like and and we just had a look before we started the show it's selling like crazy at the moment it's not even out till march these are all pre-orders so Hopefully they have enough uh, manufacturing capacity to actually get the amount of orders out that they they need. But um, it is going well, so it does seem that there is a place for these uh, AI hardware devices. Um, but I'm still a little bit skeptical. What's what's your view on it? Yeah, same like you. Why should it be separate hardware? The only thing I can imagine is it might be quicker because the the, the hardware is specialized for the tasks it needs to do. Mm. So there might be a better GPU than in a phone yeah. for some reason or better battery life. But it's an extra device you have to carry around. And I have a phone that does all my stuff and I don't really care if I should wait a, a minute extra for a result on a query or a result on a booking or something. That's not something, I'm not sitting there thinking, taking long, taking long. I'm just giving the information, putting my phone away, looking, ah, it got the answer. Yeah. So. The only thing I can imagine is just being completely in control over the hardware, the stuff you put in it, the licensing, and not being mm. uh, bound by uh, things like the App Store uh, Manifest or the Google mm -hmm. uh, Play Store things where you, you can't do or you can't reach some parts of the system because they're locked behind the uh, APIs that, and they're yeah. reachable for applications. So that might be one of the reasons. But I'm, I, I'm not feeling like I need to be Lucky Luke, where I have to have two devices. Yeah, well, that, that, that's the that's the thing. Like you know, I I, I have 
I've essentially two devices with me. I have a phone and then I have my smartwatch. Um, and, and this is just a fitness tracker. It's not like, uh, you know, an iWatch or anything like that. Um, but at the same time, I can get all my messages, my emails on it, everything. So um, if you ha if I had another app or, you know, there's some sort of AI, inter AI integration on my watch, then potentially that would be of interest to me. But as you said, I don't have enough room in my pockets to carry anything else around with me. And, you know, if it's just so, so I'm curious, I think it's, 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 it's getting a little bit hyped, um, is my, you know, initial opinion on it because uh, of the fact that, you know, I, I have a phone now, apparently it does, it can do video calls and it can do messaging. So maybe you can replace certain aspects of your phone, but, uh, I and, and it is, you know, it's it's a Gen One device, so maybe it will eventually replace phones and that kind of thing. But um, uh, yeah, n not 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 feeling it. And 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 speaking of that, there, there's another one coming as well uh, called the Humane Pin. I don't know if you've seen this one, but um, it, it's like a uh, you can put it on you, and it has a camera, and uh, you can. T yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it looks like a Star Trek you know type thing um yeah it does projections onto your hand but it has no interface whereas the the r1 has like a scroll wheel and a, a touch screen and all that so i'm not sure how you interact with it to be honest um um it's a lot more expensive it's like over 700 dollars. so um but again I, I i'm really not seeing the use case for this um for these for either of these devices personally at the moment and uh, and maybe you know, when we post this, people can post their comments uh, and let us know what yes. their views are on these devices. Because, and maybe there's something I'm missing, or it's a generational thing that, <laughs> because you know we're both in our forties, so uh, you, you know maybe I'm missing something. But I, I would like to get people's views on it, and we can discuss it again. But from looking at it from my point of view, it's like I don't want another device. I have so if you can put it into the format which i'm used to as i said i have the chat gpt app on my phone already i i don't need a a separate device but as yeah. i said i will oh, one of the other ones i i i uh, we didn't mention earlier is um uh windows laptops are getting an ai button yeah so that's that's going to be so you can see already that the windows os is going to have um, interaction with AI and you know AI will be a major part of the OS going forward um, so uh, so again Microsoft's pushing forward with that whole AI approach um, what's what's your view of a, of, of a AI button on the on a Windows laptop yeah I, I want to circle back just uh, one brief second about all this hardware because the yeah. Revit R1 is $200 I just said the Humane one was $700 imagine you have in your brochure that costs $700 and your phone costs $800 you're walking you're feeling like a moving money back. yeah there's a lot of expensive hardware on your body because you have also have a wristwatch that costs three four hundred dollars <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Phone and it, it, there's a lot of stuff, uh, AirPods or whatever. So you're walking mm. around with 2,000 euros on devices on you, where this mm. one can easily get ticked off or uh, you can lose it very easily. So, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm really wondering how, what the what the use case might be, and 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 if if you're looking circling back to the the 
Microsoft stuff where they just put a button on the device and if you hit that button, Copilot starts. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what the integration is like. For example, yeah. uh, we had in Windows, we had the, the cool thing called Cortana for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't work very well. <laughs> no, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> so they looked at how Apple did it and then they did it in a less uh, yeah. professional way. So I, yeah. I was wondering what this button do, what this button is going to do, because if you push it and it will open uh, a system-wide co-pilot and you can ask it stuff, does it? Would it? Can you talk to it? What, what? What? What are the limitations? Will it integrate? Because it's integrated in OS, will it integrate with the applications inside the OS? And will it integrate, mm -hmm. for example, of Office three sixty five? If you have also that co-pilot, so you can tick on it and it yeah. will integrate the co-pilots that are already on your system. Or so I'm really excited to see how far this will go or if it's just the equivalent of the Bing chat where you can search the web but then mm. embedded in the OS but it's really cool to see that Microsoft is really invested in the whole AI revelation and all it's going to take and the road is going to take us so Microsoft is all in on this so even if they uh, get the hardware uh, running or their hardware prepped for this maybe they will run it on the system internally, that they run mm. a local, a local uh, large language model based on stuff in the OS. That would be cool. Mm. Yeah, you have your own, uh, you have your own edge bot that you can take with you and mm. use it even if you don't have internet. Yeah, now that that would be cool. That's that's <laughs> a different. That's that's different. I don't think it's that, but that would be amazing, and and that would really take it to the next level. If like. You bought like a, a a Surface Book or something like that, and there was now they potentially are working on that, but um, I I think it's 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 at an OS level, but like as you and and it pull you know connects to the cloud version of of that, but yeah, if it was able to run a, a local uh, LLM, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that would make the, the world a lot. But yeah, that's it's it's nice to dream, and that's. The fun part of doing a podcast like this, uh, we can have our opinion and, and things and, and think about how, how the future might help us and bring us, uh, bring us cool stuff. So this is something I'm really eager to learn. So I'm really cool to see the different hardware things that can do AI. We have standard things that can do AI, but the specialized hardware and how that may, might help us do things more efficient, more fun, yeah. and less mundane, so we can have more time for the cool stuff. Yeah. So. And with that said, I think we've come to the end of our first podcast, James. Woo! Wow. We, we made it that to the cool. end. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, you guys yeah. made it to the end. It's the first one. Um, these things will get better. Um, we will, as I said, our plan for the future is to have guests, um, um, have more discussion points. But if there's anything you want us to talk about, drop it in the comments Um let us know your thoughts. Um, we have a Twitter handle, don't we? Yeah, it's it's at impact of underscore AI, where you can reach us. Uh, and uh, we have an email address podcast at impact of AI. So we'll also put all that information in the show notes. If you want to be a guest or as, as James said, if you want to uh, uh, contribute in any way, shape or form, please let us know. We're open to everything and anything. So. Uh, we're just eager to know what the world is thinking about AI and how we can use it. And we would love to discuss 
everything. Yeah, that's it. Thanks very much. Thanks everyone for listening, and um, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And um, hopefully, see you on the next one. Thanks. Yes, see you next time. Bye bye. Take care.